Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we've definitely, it, it's been on our minds. Um, you know, we, we always say our fans deserve to see the wins. Um, and tonight we, we came out a little flat, but I got a point here, which is good. Um, but again, we, we want more. We want the three points at home and we want to make the ride a fortress again. Yeah, the message was just to, to get the energy up. You know, we came out a little flat um, and you, you could tell they were capitalizing on their on their shots and, and, and their moments. And he came in at halftime and just kind of, you know, pretty much told it like it is. He said, you guys aren't going to win if you don't step it up, if you don't bring the energy, bring the hype. Um, and I thought we did that second half. Yeah, um, you, you know, when the results aren't coming at home, you, you have to get them somewhere. Um, and it, it's been a weird, a weird one for us because we haven't really been great on the road in the past. Um, but there's just something about this year where we've really been buckling down, um, you know, having faith in one another, working for each other, and, and the results have been coming. So... Hey, what's up? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Real Salt Lake Show on KSL Sports. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite Real Salt Lake podcast. We're here joined by Alex Napolis, the intern, and Joshua Clark, the co-host slash founder slash... Uh, did you buy the initial mic, dude, that you guys used to create the show? Oh, God, no. No, I was way too poor back then. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, here it is, guys. Full team, full roster, with the exception of junior producer. He is sick. He's out. Uh, let's talk about the cool things all Rail Salt Lake. And actually, I just kind of want to start a little bit different. Real quick, we took a poll on Twitter. Kind of a poll. We put the two goals... Wayne Rooney versus Pablo Ruiz. The we called it the midfield or from your own midfield battle, something like that. Wayne Rooney's goal versus Pablo Ruiz's banger. Which goal was better? I want to hear from everybody, and then I'll tell you guys mine. Alex, you first, dude. Which goal was better? I think for for bias reasons, I'm going with Pablo Ruiz. Um, from the angle, from to the angle that he put it in, from the kind of the distance that he put it in uh, it's you don't see goals like that scored often um and so i'm gonna i'm going ruiz he went top bins man top bins yep. from 60 plus yards ruiz all day long sorry rooney wow dude that's that takes a lot of courage josh because you love win rooney i do you love him but i don't love him more than i love rsl gotcha all right and it's a better uh, goal it's a better goal yeah, I'll say it's a better goal. I will say the commentating on Rooney's is actually better, Absolutely. even though <laughs> even though people will say they don't like the DC United dude. It's in the net. It's in the net. It's in the net. <laughs> Do you guys know who I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know his name. 
Somebody yeah, knows the name. So. It's any commentating is better than the Can it be you Oh my goodness, holy cow. Sometimes commentating can make a goal better. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think that's why uh, my initial initial vote went for Rooney. But then when you look at the skill level, the touch, where it went, it's for Pablo Ruiz. And I think uh, the majority of Real Salt Lake fans uh, side with Pablo Ruiz. Right, Alex? I, w- I would agree. Yeah. See, he's nodding. All right. Very cool. <laughs> Guys, uh, before we get into the antics on Saturday, Justin Glad getting that amazing goal at the end, which we'll talk about the form and the lead up to that because it was beautiful. Uh, let's just go around the room real quick. Okay, just a quick social minute. Alex, how was your weekend, dude? How are you doing? Tell us about it. Uh, weekend was good. I just went to the game and then Sunday just sat back, relaxed, and kind of refreshed up a little bit. Uh, so overall, just pretty solid, pretty good weekend. Hey, uh, when do you, like, how do you prepare? Because you go to the matches, you're doing obviously all the media stuff. What is a day in the life of Alex pre RSL? <laughs> Like what? What are you doing, dude? Are you are you having a, a cup of coffee? Do you have a Monster Energy drink? Do you hit like Mickey D's up? Get yourself like a Grimace birthday shake? Do you? I don't know. What What do you do? What, what's the, what's the lead up? It depends on home and away. I think for home games, I don't try to think about RSL until like four o'clock, and then I'll go. I'll get ready. Leading up to that, though, I'm like watching TV, watching my you know my TV shows, or um, doing. You know, whatever. I'm trying not to think about soccer until 4 p.m. Once 4 p.m. hits, though, I'm in RSL mode. I'm going in doing my thing at the stadium. And for away games, I play FIFA leading up to the game because it's usually earlier. Do you play as like wow. RSL against the team we're playing? No, no. I I've, I, I do um, career mode, but I've created my own club because that's a new feature in FIFA 23. Mm-hmm. And so I got my own team and taking them to the top. Look at you, dude. All oh, right, yeah. so you got career mode going. So um, remind me, dude. I used to, I used, to, I used to do career mode, and you'd get like the, like the different cards, and then you'd build your team, and like maybe you'd have like one good forward and loan, and you'd have like midfield, and you'd have your defenders. It's not like that anymore. You're you're talking about ultimate team. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the other one. Oh, so it's like a different career mode, kind of like ultimate team, but it's within the game. Yeah, you don't have to like yeah. pay to play. Essentially, gotcha, yeah. dude. Oh my god! The amount of money I used to spend on cards, dude, playing <laughs> Ultimate Team. I would always justify it this way: It's Friday night. I'm staying in. I'd probably spend like sixty bucks, and then, uh, anyways, it's a good, <laughs> it's a, it's a good these, way to look at it. Yeah, yeah dude, I buy all these digital cards, man. That they don't even matter anymore. Josh, what's Yo. up, dude? How are you? And the same question for you, dude. How do you prepare for game day? Uh, well, this this last weekend, I uh, woke up and stayed on the couch till Alex picked me up because I still can't drive. Well, I couldn't at that point. I can drive now. Um, yeah, this this last week was really boring because I did nothing until the game because I couldn't. But typically, I'd wake up, go to the gym, you know, have a good lunch. I think about the game all day, though. Unlike Alex, I, I'm ready from the minute I wake up. I'd get there at 7 a.m. if I could, if there was something to do. But yeah, that's what I do. And then I usually walk to tracks and then either take tracks home or make Alex drive me home. Very cool. Wow, yeah. dude. Is he reimbursing gas, Alex? No. I usually <laughs> buy him a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a good trade-off. Yeah, it's yeah. usually a good, it's a good trade-off. Do they have J-Dogs? Uh, do they have J-Dogs yeah. there? Yeah. Oh, they yeah, do. Gets, yeah, yeah. He gets me the J-Dog and then we uh, I give him rides. Wow, dude. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um. All right, same question for me. Uh, let's see. Weekend was very uneventful, dude. After a weekend after a vacation, dude, it's like the world stops. You just want to stay at home. You don't want to do anything. So I, I didn't do anything. I don't think I, like, I don't think I showered all day Saturday. I think I just like brushed my teeth, and then that was it. I didn't go anywhere. Uh, match day usually prepare. Uh, I'm usually match day. I'm already working. Um, do contract work with Major League Soccer for all those people that know. So I'm covering a lot of the games, cutting like social media clips for the Spanish side, uh, cutting the goals, usually doing like different formats, um, highlighting the cool goals that happen. And so usually, uh, Real Salt Lake, it could be assigned to me. 
uh, or maybe it's not, but I'll still, you know, clip the goals for like KSL sports kind of help them out as well. But, uh, preparation, uh, it's not, it's, it's not as heavy as it was for me back in the day. I've had to like learn how to, uh, kind of separate, uh, the time that I do have free from soccer and, but you know, once the match starts or once it's leading up to like pregame, that's really when I start to like tune in super active on social media. Uh, we all handle the RSL show media. So if I'm on it, Alex is handling something else social media wise, and we're all taking turns. Uh, but actually I want to talk about like how proud I am about, uh, how good of a job we've been doing lately on tweeting out the goals, tweeting out the highlights, the questionable goals, right? Like the goals that get pulled back, uh, providing the replays, especially on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, sometimes before even the club posts them or sometimes before even MLS posts them. So uh, if you guys aren't following the RSL show, that's a really good plug. Uh, not only to go f- you know, follow the social accounts because um, they're cool, but if you want to see those replays in real time quickly, uh, we are the best uh, source for that. So with that, very, very happy to be back for another episode of the RSL show. Uh, really cool result um, over at America First Field. Uh, people are now saying that maybe the name is why we can't win at home. Uh, maybe it's cursed, changing from the Rio Tinto, the riot, uh, straight up over to the name of a bank, a credit union. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the match. Let's talk about all the cool things and let's kick it off, uh, starting with uh, just initial thoughts of the uh, lineup and the challenge that we had. Who wants to go first, kind of talk about their thoughts about going into this one? Uh, well, I'll go. You know, the lineup was fine. I, I had no problem with that. I think everyone's biggest concern in the back of their head is we're at home, right? Again, it's the weirdest thought. I don't think I'll ever be used to saying that. Um, and then the game you know, started off, and we were playing very well, dominating possession, passing well, absorbing a lot of fouls. Um, Jasper just got demolished multiple times. Um, but, I mean, we, we, we played well. And then the the PK came, and as soon as that VAR decision came down that the foul was outside of the box, so it was a goal kick, which was puzzling. Um, I think everyone in the stadium like had a collective, here we go again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of had that feeling that, you know, we were playing well, but for some reason we just are not going to get the result to home, Right. No matter what we do, we're not going to get the result at home. <clears throat> so what happens, right? A couple minutes later, we concede two very poor goals, right? The first one, McMath, breaks one of the core goalkeeping rules by pawing the ball straight down in front of an attacker three yards away. And, you know, they have no problem finishing that. And then a few minutes later, just an absolute... Oh, I mean, it was a great counterattack by Minnesota, but we were just in shambles, you know, covering and, and getting back into our defensive shape. Oviedo was extremely out of position. You know, he was running to the to the near post for the right back as, as the left back, um, leaving that back post completely, completely exposed. Midfield didn't recover. Um, and then we give up just that horrible, easy goal. And then we're suddenly down 2-0. And you could feel it in the stadium, right? There's just the, the air was let out carry on, right? And then suddenly it's halftime and everyone's like, okay, here we go again. What's going on? You know, we're playing well, but why are we losing 2-0? This is weird. And then Ruiz makes some magic happen, right? And everyone's like, okay, here we go. Halftime just ended. We hit a goal. We're, we're on this. We got to win. Here we go. VAR curse again. Boom. This one's even more questionable than the penalty for me. I know the rule. I know the rule they're enforcing. They're wrong. That goalkeeper, Clint Irwin, he saw that ball the whole way. I don't want to hear about it. It's a wonderful goal. We got screwed there. And then we all know the rest, right? We get a goal, and then and then Justin. Hang on, we, hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Wow. Rude. So the uh, – because that was like a huge, huge piece of uh, the match, right? Like Real Salt Lake probably would have won this match 3-2 maybe 4-2 had the PK. 
uh, not been overturned. But Pablo Ruiz, like the debate, uh, there's, there's a, there's, I, I, from what I saw, kind of like what you alluded to, um, it was like 70% for the goal for Ruiz, and then yeah. 30% kind of siding with the referee, kind of giving her credit and saying, hey, that was a good, the, that was a good call with VR, uh, VAR. I want to hear, like, Alex's opinion um, because well, there, there is, like, a rule. There, there is. is. Let's talk about the rule real quick. Yeah, if you're, if you're obstructing the goalkeeper. So, like, this is it, – it's, it's almost like a rule that's a rule, but I feel like it's almost an unwritten rule where if you're on the opposing team and you just go stand blatantly in front of the goalkeeper where you're hindering the line of sight – um, because you could do that. You could be really annoying and just stand in front of the goalkeeper, whether it's a foot out, two feet out, inches within him or her. That's it, it, it's, it feels like it's a hard one to enforce or you, or it's maybe like not super enforced, but for some well, reason, let's, let's clarify. That's only, you can hinder the goalkeeper all you want in an onside position. Anderson Julio was offside hindering the goalkeeper, which is why that rule was enforced. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. That's that's the that's the key in this one is the fact that he was offside and um was quote unquote in the direct line of sight of Clint Irwin. Um however the way I see it, while he was offside, um but even before Paul Lurie's shot the shot, he was already moving back away from the goal. He was he was already moving to his right um, the left on the replay, he was moving away from from the play, and that should have been enough to keep um, that Pablo Ruiz rocket on the score sheet. Um, referee didn't see that way, unfortunately. And uh, I want to go back even further to the PK because we have two really really crazy VR calls in this one. For for it to not even be called a foul and just go straight to the goal kick, that is mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there should be no reason why there should have been a VAR check in the first place. The ball was already set. Tori Penzo had already made up her mind. It was a PK. She saw the PK on the field. The way the rule is written, it should be a clear and obvious error for VAR to even be involved. But it seems like they went to VAR to verify what was already clear and obvious to Tori Penzo. And then for some reason, Tori Penzo decided to change the call. And that, to me, is what's striking about that first one. Right, and then at that same point, anytime a referee for me is staring at the VAR screen for more than 10 seconds, then they don't need to make that decision. They don't need to reverse that decision because to me that means it's not clear and obvious. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. It means they're sitting there thinking about it way too much. They're thinking about what could be the repercussions if I don't make this call or reverse this call. If you can't look at it and go, yeah, that's offside or no, that wasn't a red or whatever, then then you walk away. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that kind of takes away from the clear and obvious. Um, and which is one of the things I love about Major League Soccer's use of VAR. It's a lot different from the Prems. It's a lot different from other leagues in the world. And it's because of that clear and obvious that I think makes the VAR use in Major League Soccer really, really good. And I f- it doesn't feel like Tori Penso and her crew kind of felt that, kind of followed that rule, especially on, b- on both goals, mm-hmm. really. Um, on both, in both situations, it didn't feel like it was clear and obvious. Um, but to each of their own, it, it at least should have been a foul. Right. But something. It should and have been for something Adrian for Heath, Yeah, well, and for Adrian Heath to say that they got away with one, like that that should say everything. Well, yeah. and now because you look at the situation in the game and like what's happening, RSL's ready to take this PK. They just lose the PK. And so now the team's mind boggled, they're confused, um, and it showed in the way that they were playing because all of a sudden these defensive mistakes are popping up. Um, literally within 10 minutes of the reversal of the penalty, you get you concede, but now you're looking at a situation where I have no doubt Pablo Ruiz would have scored that PK. Now you're looking at a, you're looking at a completely different game had we um, been kept the uh, kept the PK. Right, and like let's not forget to mention that you could tell the team was rattled. Right, uh, Minnesota Absolutely. started uh, embellishing a lot, getting a lot of calls, and it was frustrating the team to where they weren't playing their game. They were playing to, I don't know, either piss off the referee or like prove a point. I don't know. But it gets in your head when, when you're not getting a call and Minnesota can do pretty much whatever they want. And, and that's what kind of, that's what kind of, I want to say sucks about a guy like Babel Reynoso because he's, he's a very smart player, 
But when when you get to that point where you've just had a PK reverse on you, you you kind of it, you kind of gain that confidence that the refs on your side a little bit. So yeah. you're going to start simulating. You're going to start spending a little bit more time on the ground. You're going to start um, trying to sell your uh, calls to get calls in your favor because you just got this huge major call turned in your favor. Minnesota benefited from that first VAR reversal in so many ways, uh, and it really affected how Arsenal was playing. Luckily, it also completely backfired on them. <laughs> That's because true. Because without the nine minutes of stoppage time from them rolling around and whatever, we don't get that equalizer. Yeah. So going back to the PK, uh, yeah, DJ Taylor has his arms wrapped around Bodhi Hidalgo, who's kind of um, going from the outside into the box and is fouled just within the box. And Tory pins, if you go back and watch the replay, uh, immediately whistle and point to the spot. There's no hesitation. So um, in watching... Uh, if you go to like MLSsoccer.com, they have a segment that's called, um, well, I don't really think it's a, it's a segment, but it's like a series where they basically go over the calls mm-hmm. uh, titled, Were the Calls Correct? And uh, this is one that even Andrew Weibel um, cited with in favor of Real Salt Lake, saying that that should have been a clear and obvious foul. And it was in the moment, but only because it got reviewed was overturned and, you know, set the pace in a completely different uh, way for, for RSL. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're all feeling shafted at that point. Um, Hassani Dotson scores in the 27th minute. Uh, it's one Oh, going back down into the half. Uh, we come back and then, excuse me, prior to the half, uh, let's talk about Emmanuel Reynoso's goal, which we saw coming from a mile away. The counter played out. You could see Reynoso just like clear and obvious, just like left open in the back post, making the run. You already know it's going to get crossed and he's going to be there for the deflection. And that's exactly what happens. And it goes in. So that it it just kind of, I don't know. What were were you guys' thoughts initially on a goal like that, that we could all see coming from, like I said, a mile away? It was extremely frustrating, right? Why, why are we conceding a goal like this? Why why are we out of position? Why are we scrambling when we're dominating the game? It, it, it made no sense, and I'm surprised the fan base didn't start booing at that point. <laughs> like, like I said, the, the, the initial VAR one, the PK one, completely changed the game, completely favored Minnesota because Arsenal was shocked. Arsenal was taken aback after that. They couldn't really respond defensively, and we saw it on both goals. Um, I think Emiliano Reynoso just completely tore up our defense on that first one. They gave him way too much time, way too much space on the wing on the first goal for him to even cross it. McMath on the obvious error, um, just letting it in front of Hassani Dotson. And then on the transition, just bad, bad transition from RSL. Um, Oviedo completely losing his marker at the back post, like Josh said, running inside. Um, it, and it it showed how much the dynamic of the game was changed after that VAR, because prior to that, Arsenal was playing really, really well. They have so many opportunities. They were doing good. Um, they were shutting down Reynoso, but after that, it you saw the defensive mistakes that uh, led to those two goals. And let's, let's give Ojeda some credit for dealing with Reynoso this game. He did a very good job. Him and Ruiz did a really good job about containing him. Minus that goal, of course, but, but and, otherwise. And yeah, the, the two goals that Reynoso, there are the two goals that were, um, that Minnesota scored was moments where Ruiz and Ojeda were not on Reynoso at those, yep. in those moments. Yep. So we got to point out Reynoso was an MLS all-star uh, last year. Uh, he plays the 10. I'm trying to see if he was called up this year. And before we go into his first game back, he's not an all-star. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, That's how (laughs) tells you how much I've been paying attention to uh, Minnesota this year, at least. Um, But Hey, that's actually a really good segue before we go into the second half. Uh, Real Salt Lake for the second time, uh, I guess not second time, but just back to back years where there's no active Real Salt Lake player on the roster making, the cut for MLS All-Star. Some people saying it's a popularity contest. I have some thoughts on that. Um, I'm sure you guys have some thoughts on that. But first off, are we shocked? Are we surprised that no one from this roster was called up? Not at all. Maybe a little bit. I, I think the only two real players that probably deserved a shot were Gladden Ruiz. But other than that, no. Yeah. 
even in their dark courses, right? They would have to be coaches picks or commissioner picks. And those don't typically lean your way unless it's a coach in your conference. Which if we take it back to 2021, was Dami a pick? Uh, he, was, to remember yeah, it. he was a coach. Yeah, pick, I believe he was. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was for 2021. Yep. RSL uh, players are never going to get voted in ever. Unless, uh, you know, Unless we, now we have a, we do have a clear, obvious path to that with Chicho though. We do, which is what we've all been dying for. Right. It's, which it's would nice be really cool. Someone that's almost a guaranteed all-star if they do what they do. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crazy that that thought literally just popped into my head just now <laughs> because I, I just went, holy cow. Hey, we actually do have somebody who's got some weight uh, where if he's, you know, with us at that time could be called up. Now, um, as for the comments that I saw online, um, I think it was like 10 or something. The the dude who loves the Eagles on Twitter says that uh, MLS All-Star is nothing but a um, just a popularity contest. Uh, that's, that's every All-Star game, though. Yeah, yeah. right? You vote NBA, for the names you know. Yeah. Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. all those sports. The uh, – you know the the only thing that sucks is it, it is a it's a really cool event. Um, not not only for people to watch but to experience. I got I was really lucky to get to go to the MLS All Star match last year as a as a shooter and and video editor um, for MLS. And oh, man, I just remembered it was so cool. I got to go to training. I got to like interview Chicharito. Got to um, point cameras and be in the same room with like Vela and. Uh, Luciano Acosta, like all Jordan Morris was there. I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, everybody was there and, and it was just such a cool experience. Um, not only is like somebody being there in person, but you could tell it's a cool experience for the players. Um, like that sense of belonging, like the sense of, uh, your within like your own talent level, like your own skill level. And it was cool to just see all the players, a get along, um, play with each other, uh, perform with each other. It's just like this extra layer of camaraderie, and I think it's respect earned. Um, because, I mean, like you can when you look back to LA Galaxy and LAFC, when we know Chicharito and Vela go way back, uh, and maybe their relationship they already had one prior to this. But I think that when you send players off to that to represent your club on a big stage like that, where there's so much hype, it's, it does something. And we saw that when we sent Demir Krylock, right? Like he was on that pitch, the sense of pride, uh, the, the, the pride from the fan base. We all tuned in. We all watched that match. So I think, is this going to kill us if we, if we don't get a, a, a roster selection for the all-star match? No, I don't, it's not going to, it's not going to affect us. If anything, we're probably happy that, we're going to have healthy players not having to worry about, you know, an MLS all-star match or whatever, but it, I don't know. It it sucks to think that um, there won't be any players on this roster that are going to have that opportunity. Like I really feel more for the players um, more than like the fan base, because it is a cool way to have that sense of belonging, get recognized by the league. And I think it does something to your ego in a good way where it elevates you as a player. I could definitely see um, us having a player or two. There's usually a game for the younger players, correct? They do like one-offs. Um, usually, they're. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think like they're rostered players. It might be like different foundation uh, foundations mm-hmm. that the league's involved with that will get coached. Um, I'm not sure. I, okay. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But if, you know, if they did something like the Rising Stars, like the NBA does, you that'd know, be cool. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely like see it, Gomez getting in there. That'd be sweet. Uh, you know, even an Ellie, really. Oh, can you see me? Yeah, exactly. So it's unfortunate, but uh, we're gonna. You know, I think there's in in the future, especially with Chicho, it's a really good chance uh, that we get another rostered player on there. But we're always gunning and hoping that it'll be someone like, you know, Diego Luna if they have like a breakout year. Right. Well, yeah, and honestly, you know, next year if if we can keep this core together, I could see Luna being a candidate. You know, if Ruiz continues his season into next, if he continues his form now through next year, he's obviously a candidate. 
uh, Chicho, Gomez, Sava. Like we have candidates. We just haven't really clicked enough for them to put up the numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. We we have all stars. It's just again, we're a small market. You know, Wayne Rooney doesn't watch us, and his picks were horrible. Mm-hmm. So you know, just wasn't our year. The majority East Coast. You know, it's it's like I mean, so. Yeah, it's your within your conference. He put his own goalkeeper on the squad. That's probably out of the top ten in the league, out of the top fifteen, even. Oh, for sure. For I sure. wouldn't. There's... I wouldn't take him over McMath. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's... So like nepotism yeah. a little bit. You know, there's, Kai Kamara has no business being on that team. Uh, Ricky Puish, you know, even though he's a name, LA's horrible, and he's not putting up numbers, so he has no, you know, no business being there. There's plenty of guys that don't that don't belong there. There's a lot of snubs this year. Yeah. Um, and I tweeted and I saw a lot of tweets, you know, with the same sentiment that, you know, it might be time for MLS to start thinking about going back to East first West. I like East first West. Yeah. I, like I know that. it doesn't draw the TV crowd, but if you put something on it, like MLB does, which I believe MLB does um, home field advantage for like the, the conference championship or something. I don't know. I could be wrong, but it, it's something big, right? You know, put something on that game, you know, yeah. the winner gets to host MLS cup, right? The Western conference or the East conference team. Something like that make the game exciting. I, I think there's plenty of players in the league now. The talent pool is so big. That's the only way to recognize them all. Yeah, I would also add to that. Um, yeah, you know the having the teams come out uh, from different leagues, uh, Europe, Mexican league, all that really really cool. But I, I kind of I concur with you. I would love to see like an MLS versus East. I think it'd be really really cool. Really good stuff. Yeah, bring back Keeper Wars. Bring back all the fun stuff. that They did do Keeper Wars last year. It used to be a mainstay. Fun. Yeah, it used to be a mainstay. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fun. It's uh, it's in, in D.C. United this year. Um, let us know. Tweet at us. Let us know. Are you guys going to be watching the MLS All-Star match? Or is it just a popularity contest, like you guys say? I mean, um, I'll still watch it, but if I have anything else come up that night, then I'm not watching it anymore. You know what I mean? It's not must-see TV, but if I'm home, I'll have it on. Yeah. I'm a sucker. Well, at least one of us. I'll be I'll be watching it because I'll be working it. I won't be going this year, but I'll be working it. Like at home. Uh, so I'll, I'll fill us in. I'll be the, uh, the MLS All-Star correspondent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be brief. It'll be like, cool, we won, yay, or whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, okay, cool. So Real Salt Lake comes back. And at this point... 2-0, it's looking slim. We're thinking, okay. I remember at the half, I was thinking, oh man, like this is this is exactly what, what we spoke about on the show. Gonna come back, maybe we'll but, pull a win, or we're gonna lose, and it's gonna it's just it's just gonna kind of fall apart. Josh, I think I kind of shocked Alex a little bit because after halftime, I wasn't being super negative. Yeah, I was like, we still got this. We're good. Yeah, he was. He was surprisingly was. I don't know what my he issue was. Pretty, was he was but... positive. <laughs> he knew. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can kind of see like the way that the games go. But, I mean, this one was so clear and obvious, like 70% to their 30% possession, 604 passes to their 266. Like, come on. Like, Actually, crazy. I was positive until Samusowski, before he scored, had a carbon copy chance, right? Yes. An almost easier chance and skied it. Yep. I think at that point I kind of went, Ugh. yeah, and maybe not tonight. <laughs> so and then literally uh, like a couple minutes later, the the ball from Ruiz, dude, better than the goal. Yeah, let's They're talk done. about it. Ruiz whips the ball for Muzovsi, gets gets the bounce, and then it's like you said, carbon copy. We've all seen this before, and I'm thinking like, dude, okay, now's the time to put it away, right? Like you made the mistake the first go around. Mm-hmm. You've Can't got it at your feet again. You have to put this one in the back of that. And I remember right before he struck, like struck it, dude, I was like, dude, I, I just, this could go bad. Yep. But uh, luckily surprises us. 79th minute, Danny Musovsky, uh, probably going to connect with Chicho Arango really, really well. Um, gets a goal. It was nice and, too. It was nice. But homeboy ran to the corner to celebrate. And Alex is up there screaming, get the ball, get the ball, which he was right. Like, you don't celebrate that goal. You, you get the game back going. 
Yeah, when I saw him running to the corner, I was like, I was losing my mind, dude. I was like, why is he not getting the ball? There's plenty of time to go for the win. Go get the ball. It's soccer 101. They teach you that in like grade school. When you score that goal, you go grab that ball, get into the get into the center, and start going for the next one. Yeah, I think honestly, Emotions. that that celebration was just a relief of, oh my god, they're not going to boo me because I didn't do it <laughs> twice, right? And he's in good form. Like, let's give him he credit. Is. He's in good form. This is what we were hoping to see from him when we got him last year. So it's nice to see him, you know, doing some goals. But but yeah, it was like let's let's get this game going. We have time. Get the ball. Um, and and time we had um, because yeah. I think a couple minutes right after that, Diego Luna almost scores the equalizer. Buddy. Can we talk about Diego Luna? Sure. Do you remember after LAFC? No. Las Vegas, right? The Open Cup match. Everyone's going. He's not it. We we can't play with him. This isn't going to work. Why do we have him? Man, I don't, know, I don't know what match they were watching because it's like, dude, clear and obvious playmaker. Yeah, I, and I think I ball's at his feet, and he's already like he's already anticipating where the ball's going to go before he's got his touch. Right, which it was like, one of those cases of lack. Yeah, it was, it was a case of people don't know how to play with him yet, right? But man, the the distance he has come since that game, he's almost made himself undroppable at this point. Yeah, he is so creative. Uh, me and Alex were talking after the match. When was the last time you saw RSL play direct? It's been a while. Long time. Right. We've always been, been down the wings, whip it in, mm-hmm. find Demir, find whoever's there. But with with <laughs> Luna, man, <laughs> there were so many times this game where he'd go out wide, nothing was there, so he'd dribble. It was a very Javi-esque. Dribble the middle or flip it over the box to Savarino, who's a wide open on the other side, right? Just an absolute playmaker, mm-hmm. absolute vision. And, man, this this kid, he's got something special, and, and I hope he continues to get his chances. Yeah. Well, it's just like uh, it's it's just controlling and holding up play is what I see out of Diego. Yeah. Um, Rather than go ahead. I was just going to tactically he confuses defenders because because of the cut ins, because of what he can do both on the wing and centrally. Um, When he cuts in like that, players are pinching. The defenders are pinching into the middle, closing down the spaces in the middle. And it opened up so much space on the wings, and that's going to be crucial when you got guys like Sava and Gomez running up and down those wings. Um, and it's it's going to open so many more possibilities for ourselves to attack. Now we're now we're becoming a lot more dynamic in the way that they attack because we're going up and down the wings as well as that central direct uh, through the middle. And it's it's we saw it we saw it against Minnesota. Yeah, and with a potential combo of Arango, Gomez, Sava, Luna, Demir. That's a bunch of guys that teams have to think about double teaming at times. Yeah. That's, that's a nightmare. Gonna, a nightmare. exactly what I was going to say. So Diego Luna, more often than not, uh, like you said, if there isn't a clear path, he'll do a dribble, kind of turn around, go in a different direction. But what happens is he's, he's, he's always consistently got, he's got two defenders on him, mm-hmm. right? And he's trying to get out of that, find a pass. Sometimes does it get overturned? Yes, but it's not. It's not often uh, before he finds like a pass and gets rid of it. But that's exactly one thing that I wanted to point out is that, like you said, Alex, he's he's drawing another defender towards him and leaving and creating that open play, which I really enjoy. And that just speaks to confidence of somebody who can, like I said, hold up play, uh, not not afraid to get closed down, doesn't panic, and just like whip the ball uh, aimlessly. And causing uh, you know some crazy turnover, so a lot of dangerous pieces. Um, Diego Luna. Also, I want to call out Trey's girlfriend, um, Anne. Uh, she tweeted at us and said something about like, "Oh, he's your boy." Blah blah blah. Yada yada. He is our boy. He is mm. our boy. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I mean, we we saw it towards the end. <laughs> we saw it towards the end the difference he was making, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, to, to be love clear, you. that was that was a time of collective frustration. I believe that was right after the second call where we tweeted that people needed to uh, get their heads back in the game. So, yeah. yep. So, no one is safe from the RSL show. Not even <laughs> Trey's girlfriend. All right, um, Justin Glad, ninetieth plus eight minutes. By the way, nine minutes, dude, insane. 
That's so I mean, that's what Alex has got. That's what they get. On. That's what they get for time wasting, though. Alex Beautiful. is lifting his little finger. Go ahead, Alex. That is true. It is absolutely what they get for time wasting. Bill Arnoso spent a good ten minutes on the floor in that second half. But that's beyond the point. The point is, how about Brian Ojeda? just lifting his head up, hitting it first time to cross it all the way to the other side of the field, finds Diego Luna, who doesn't even think about it, just hits it first time right across the face of goal, and Justin Glad, who just buries it in front of Clint Irwin. Buries, bro. With the left. What a goal. What a goal. The passes leading up Molly. to it. Same with the first one. Same with the first one. The passes leading up to it, the creativity that this team shows, the, the, the awareness and the vision that guys like Ojeda and Luna have to just pick it off first time and just create that goal incredible absolutely incredible and well and again with soccer 101 right you, you score goals by putting it into a dangerous area well that's exactly what luna did right he wasn't looking for glad he just knew someone should be making a run here i i don't have time to turn around which i feel like a lot of players in our past lower skill levels whatever they would have tried to bring that ball down and dribble back out and lay it back off to the outside back for a cross or whatever but by him just knowing someone should be making that run, I'm just going to put the ball back in. Little deflection. Right. That that gave us the goal. It, it didn't give Minnesota any time to react, and it gave us just enough time to, to react perfectly, right, to get the foot on it, get a goal. Beautiful. Love watching the stadium erupt when those things happen. It was incredible. Would have been nice if it was a 3-2. Absolutely. But you know two, what? This even though like this this draw sucked because of these circumstances it almost felt like felt like a curse breaking result hmm. right everything was against us right referee was against us var was against us the post was against us our own players were against us by missing wide open shots you know mental lapses like we nothing was going our way so to stick with it and push and push and push and push and get a result that's that's curse breaking performance for me, and I, th- I think that's I think that's kind of why I'm on like on the fence about this result. It's pos- it's an absolute positive because of the w- the way the game unfolded, right? We had the VAR decisions, we had the goal taken away, um, so many things went against ourselves, but they were able to claw their way back into it and get the point. But at the same time, beyond the VAR call, beyond the goal taken away, the chances were there, the opportunities were there to get the three points. You you talk about the one that came, Justin Glad that came off the post, Diego Luna, who had a really, really good opportunity uh, late in the 80th minute, um, the one-on-one with Musovsky. Um, there was even one after we equalized where Demir just barely, barely couldn't get his head on it, and it just barely skimmed past the post. Like, the opportunities were there to get the full three, and I think that's why it's it. this one's a little bit of a glass-half-empty, glass-half-full for me um, in, in, in the point. Agreed. It's just a hard-fought game, and uh, this is a classic game where it's like, uh, you know, I had seen a, a, a tweet from some fans who were in the Cryolog Corners the first match, and, you know, they were so happy, and they're like, oh, we're sold. Like, we're we're RSL fans through and through. But you got to think, like, somebody who was there, like, for their first match is probably like, why the hell are we celebrating a tie, like a win? <laughs> and I think that's what, uh, that's what makes the sport uh, pretty pretty amazing um so cool to see that uh justin glad 200th appearance uh was awarded the 200 number jersey by real salt lake uh his family was in attendance and his even his grandparents flew in to surprise him so what a cool way right you're given the 200th jersey your family's in town granted he didn't know they were going to be in town and then he just scores a banger bro like a goal that's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to be for, remembered in RSL history forever, but if you were there, you're, you, there's there's some clear goals that we remember as fans when we're in the stands. Uh, that's going to be a memory for somebody, like yeah, celebrating and, that hard. And just one little thing before a fan points it out. This is technically his 201st appearance. We know. <laughs> but he got the 200 jersey that night, okay? Deal with it. <laughs> Very cool. All righty. So, um, speaking about jerseys, have we seen the Marvel kit uh, collaborations with Adidas? Um, I don't know or haven't seen if there's a Real Salt Lake one, but there were a few that kind of quote unquote leaked or pretty horrible. Uh, has anybody seen the Real Salt Lake? Yeah, it's the Captain America one. Really? Yeah. Luckily, it's a warm up top. 
so we don't see it on the field. But man, you Marvel, what are you doing? Adidas, what are you doing? I don't it's know. Just, what it, it feels so forced. Oh, it's so, so much bad. Potential. There's so many cool things you could do with that. How many cool exactly. things are there for Marvel? And you go with this like snaking shield thing. I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. But whatever. I love that we're doing a collaboration, right? Gingyak thinks it's corny, which means it's cool, right? <laughs> Gingyak, yeah. I saw his <laughs> comments, right? He's like saying yeah. Major League Soccer is just good at marketing, but the quality of soccer is not. Sorry, bud. I think you're on the losing end of that one. Yeah. You've been in you've been around way too long. You're you're stuck in 2010, bud. I would have loved to see him play for an MLS club though. That would have been cool. But, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking that he's stayed with Tigres for so long. Well, I mean, the money, if the money's good. Yeah, but he's, he's 37, dog. Like, he's Zlatan old almost, right? Like, it's insane that he's still playing, period. That is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, more league around the news. Uh, some Something that we have to address that happened uh, with the riot. Uh, I saw some correspondence come out. Um Basically, like there was like a, there's like a racism issue from the security guards or or the people who were handling the security. So, who's got more information on that uh, that could give a better, clearer picture? Uh, I don't know, like super specifics, but some they're not CSC anymore. I don't know who the actual company is anymore, but there was some some racial abuse geared towards some of the Hispanic fans uh, in the Bada, I believe. Um, it was brought to the team's attention, and I'm I'm really glad that the team acted quickly. I don't think this is something that would have been acted on period with Deloy at the helm and that little regime. Um, the person had the person or persons have been you know terminated and are no longer in security. Uh, but e- either way, the the riot still did you know show a little bit of of unity there and and do a ten minute silent you know fan action I guess just to. To, to stand up against racism and I'm all about it. I, I'm very glad that they pointed out. I'm glad they spoke up and I'm glad it, it was uh, rectified. Cool. Love yeah. It. That's uh yeah, no, 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 no room for it. Right. Alex. Absolutely, man. Um, like Josh said, I, I, from an outside perspective, it seems like the riot um, is big messages, inclusivity, right? You want to include everyone. You want to bring everyone into the supporter group of Rialsa Lake. Um, and I think that just goes to show that, it just goes to show the inclusivity. It goes to show where where they really want to take the supporter group and kind of the idealism, and I love it. And it also goes to show how much that group has grown, right? The South Goal historically hasn't gotten along, right, between the different groups. So it's good to see that they're unified um, and acting together in these things. Yep. So, yeah, good on the riot, man. Uh, Got to protect uh, the, the fan base. It's... Yeah, wherever it's coming from, whether it's other fans, security. Our uh, own fans. Yeah, exactly. So it's glad to see it got handled. Um, Also, more league news. Tata Martino expected to be announced Wednesday um, to come in and coach Inter-Miami, a club sitting in last place who, if you aren't aware, have signed Leonardo, Lionel, my bad, (laughs) Leonardo, Lionel Messi, guys. I'm sorry, Ronaldo fan over here. <laughs> it's still not official. Ink's not dry, man. Mm, he's coming, dude. Come he on. He already, he already spoke about it. He already spoke I know, about but, it. But, you know, things could change. You never know. Nah, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Um, so, yeah, Lionel Messi and Tata reunited uh, in Inter-Miami. My bad for calling him Leonardo. It's a long day. <laughs> uh also, um, more league news. Do we have any more league news? Do we have any rumors? Oh, we tweeted something. We tweeted an airplane, and we don't know if it's arriving or if it's departing. And that's or almost, it could be an arrival and a departure. Could be like a little round trip or something. Ooh. Yeah. Could well, be obviously, like obviously, uh, like Joni Menendez is not coming back, right? Looks like he's linked with the move to Greece. Uh, so I'm sure we're just going to mutually part ways there. Good for him. But with Palacio coming in, that raises some big questions in the midfield, right? We are now overloaded, right? So someone's got to go, in my opinion. 
Is it Ojeda? Are we going to retain him? Do we move Ruiz? Highly doubt it. Caldwell's on the cheap. No one's, I mean, no one's really going to pick him up, probably. Jasper? What do you guys think? Who, who's out? Because if Palacio comes, well, there's no reason to keep all these guys. Who's out? Um, it, It's, yeah, it, it's obvious Palacio it will be here. It's obvious yeah, Palacio will be he's part in of this town. group. He's, he's in, in town. town. He's, he's in touchdown. Town. He's touchdown. Um, it, I think in order for us to continue on this kind of run where the front office is showing us, hey, we mean business, we... We're bringing in Chicho, we're bringing in Palacio, we're bringing in a championship to Salt Lake City, Utah. I think they need to wrap up Brian Ojeda. I think um, I think we'll retain Ojeda as well. I, yes, absolutely. I think I think one of the key parts there will be Brian Ojeda. Um, and so, by process of elimination, like Josh said, I think someone has to go, and it could possibly be our former draft pick. If so, if we can move a draft pick for five hundred K plus get a solid year and a half out of him and then move him for that much money. That's, that's a pretty damn good draft pick in my opinion. Very definitely. I think he's going and I think he's going to go to the East. I don't think we trade him to the team on the West on the West in our own division, but I think he's going to go to the Eastern conference and I think we're going to move him. I really do. And if that's the case, I mean, he had a successful run here. I mean, he, he just, yeah, super successful. Right, if, but if just as a draft pick, you you end up on the outside looking in, right? Like he's a very good player, but he's not Ojeda, he's not Palacio, he's not Ruiz right now, right? So yeah. by the process of pecking order, do you want to sit tough, on the man. bench? Do you want to sit on the bench and play every four matches, or do you want to go to a team that could use you and you could be become a star or a regular? Even with how much this team is rotating, because like the congested schedule, I don't think it'll still be enough minutes for someone like Jasper who has quality. He can be. Um, he has quality to be a really, really solid midfielder in this league. Um, but with Palacio coming in, and especially, you know, it, it seems like the way things are going, Brian Ojeda will continue to be an Arsenal player come a couple weeks. Um, it seems like Jasper is the one who's going to move on, and it it's it's it'll be a good move for Jasper uh, for sure. But who knows? Yeah. This is all speculation. We say this, but this club would not surprise me if they made the move like sending Ojeda off where it's like, it's, it's the clear and obvious pick and choice of, of who you want to keep or who you should send out. But we've seen it in the past. Like we've seen, we've seen us send players away and retain players well, that sure. we shouldn't have. So it, we're, we're just speculating and we would think that the clear and obvious choice is Jasper. But what I'm saying is historically, <laughs> like, you never know what to expect. Right, but historically, we've never signed Chicho Arango, right? And historically, you haven't broken two transfer club transfer records in one season. Historically, both of you? Shut the hell up. <laughs> the other the other thing you need to consider with Arango coming in, uh, you, that means you need to find minutes for Demir as well. Uh, so he could theoretically go back and fill in that fourth central midfield position when he's not playing up top, right? So that central midfield where he belongs is just getting stacked and stacked and stacked. And with Nottingham Forest not getting relegated, right, that means they need to offload guys. I think we're going to get a pretty good deal on Ojeda. So it just makes sense to keep him. He's been incredible. He had a rough start to the season, but he's been incredible the last few weeks. So yeah, it, it makes sense to me. And, I mean, even statistically speaking, Ojeda is one of the best passers in this league. Um, he's one of the best um Guys who are able to intercept and cut back, um, cut back passage. He doesn't lose possession as much as the other midfielders, um, and so I think just statistic-wise, even if he's just like in rotation, uh, Brown Ojeda is a solid player and um, re- is a really really good piece for this team. Right, and then like, let's be clear, this is not a knock on Jasper. Right, love Jasper on the team. Absolutely. I just want to. I, I want to see him play. I would hate to see him not make the eighteen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, it just wouldn't be fair to him. Yeah, agreed. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we're going to try and see if we can um, maybe arrange another uh, one-on-one with Palacio, maybe in the style that we did with Chicho Arango. So keep your eyes peeled for that, your ears peeled, or whatever the saying is. Cool, guys. So there's there's one more. Uno mas? 
Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I was gonna. Okay, I had I had something fun for us, but go ahead. No, no, go, no go for it. Go for no, it. No, go I'm for it. Us to go for it. Okay, okay. Is it Real Salt Lake or is it MLS News? It's Real Salt Lake. Go ahead. We're gonna wrap up our cell after Josh. Do you guys think we need another center back? Um, let me let me justify it real quick. Okay, go for, for me. It. Oviedo's not the answer on left back, right? Game in, game out. Brian Vera is very good there. I think we need another decent center back to rotate and allow, allow Vera to play outside outside back. I, I would agree. Um, I, Brian Vera is really interesting because he's very dynamic, and so you can get both the left um, back position and the center back position out of him. I think he's done better in the center back position this season for us. Um, however, that might just be because I haven't seen him. We haven't seen him enough in the left back position. Um, but he's said multiple times um, to the media that he is more comfortable at the left back. And so I think going forward, he might be our starting left back, um, which that then goes to beg the question, we need more center back depth. Um, and so that's where I can see this happening is I don't necessarily see RSL extending Ojeda or Oviedo past his um, past his, the end of his contract at the end of the year. Um, and so, yeah, new CB, new center back depth. That could be really, really useful. Yeah, and I only bring that up because Caleb Turner in his article today about RSL, you know, building the squad for the second half of the season mentioned that that had been brought up to him. So could we see a center back coming in before the end of the window? I'd love it if we could have, I mean, the, we're, we have a whole new roster. This is incredible. Who, who thought we'd be here? Not me. We have a solid core. And it's mm-hmm. kind of it's fun to see and it's fun to watch. RSL's really put in a put in a put a ro- putting a roster together that can be competitive for the next couple of years. Yeah, the uh, the fallout has quickly <laughs> silenced. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> fallout. Fallout. Yeah. The fallout of the fallout. The fallout. fallout. <laughs> there you go. Got it. Um, ran Good into job. him. Yeah, we ran into him at training. Uh, you know what's funny, did, we, did I say this on the last episode? We go there, we say so many horrible things about Real Salt Lake, but uh, then the staff and the coaches and the, you know, the FO is just so nice to us. Um, whatever. It's cool. You know, uh, I, I, I think at the end of the day, they, they still realize that we are fans, right? Yeah, we, of course. We're emotional. We're, we care deeply. It's no. nothing personal, never will be. No. He made, he made fun of me. Yeah, he. Yeah, we'll tell you off off of this <laughs> how Elliot Fall made fun of Alex Napolis. And, uh, that's my greatest accomplishment. And yeah, that's that's how you know you're in, right? We said it right then and there. We're like, dude, that's how you know you're you're quote unquote in. Um, no, it's always a blast to see those guys. Uh, and even though we're critical and sometimes we're just off the walls, uh, they've always just been so cordial with us. Uh, not to say that sometimes we do get text messages and uh, <laughs> sometimes we're even blacklisted at moments <laughs> like when traded and talked to me for like a month and a half. Black uh, boys for life, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's what I enjoy the most though. When I do see Trey, like I love just, I love telling him to his face that like, dude, like I know I triggered you. I'm sorry. We're good now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, guys, so the next match, we've got Toronto FC and in true RSL fashion, true RSL opponent fashion, they decide to fire their head coach, Bob Bradley. And so in the words of Joshua Clark, uh, what, what what did you call this match? A trap game. A trap a game. A trap game, yep. It's a game that we <laughs> are 100% expected to win. And... Uh, Teams always perform and kick ass when they fire their coach. It's true, and we're away, right? But that's actually a good thing this time, right? So yes. I'm more confident about this trap game than I was, say, L.A., right? But it's right. still like, oh, man, I wish they would have waited a week. I really do. Or done it sooner um, because I think Bob Bradley is Bob Bradley's time at Toronto was overdue. Um, I think as soon as Tom Boger came out with the athletic and reported that the locker room was completely shattered, no one had faith in Bob Bradley. Um, the relationship with Michael was bad for the team. Um, Benedetti and Cine fighting each other, Benedetti and Cine fighting Bob Bradley. That should have been the nail in the coffin, right? That should have been, Hey, you're out. But instead they waited. 
they gave him time. Michael Bradley goes to Wales to do his coaching courses, and while Bradley, while Michael's out of town, they kick Bob to the curb. Um, so interesting. Inter- it's going to be interesting when Michael comes back and it's like, to the team. It's like breaking up with your girlfriend on Christmas, huh? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like it was just a bad hire in the first place. I know he just came off a good run with LAFC, but you don't want to have like your kid is the captain and his dad is the coach. Like that's just dumb. I hate it. There's obvious favoritism. I mean, we've seen it with even with like U.S. You know, when he was coaching, yeah, you US. saw the national team. Yeah, it's stupid. It's horrible, dude. It was like the it was the most awful. Just, ugh. It, it just good. Like I I usually feel for coaches getting let go and all that, but uh, yeah, dude. Like he should have never he should have never been given the opportunity to give bias to Michael Bradley, dude. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I think in this case. Uh, looking at that Toronto roster, I thought it would have been different for Bob. For Bob, um, that's a very, very talented team, a very good team. Um, and they I had thought, the most spend, didn't they? Yeah, they have the most spend, the highest salary in the league. Um, and I, so I thought it was going to be a lot like LAFC, where Bob just came into a really talented team and was very successful. But it was completely the opposite, and it has it's just cause, just because of that, just because he's he allowed and nurtured and allowed that bad locker room environment to just sprout all over Toronto, um, and didn't really, I don't know, I don't know what happened inside. I don't know if he took care of it or anything, but a lot of the players were saying that he just kind of let it happen. Interesting. Uh, it makes you think. Uh, this is actually something I was dry, or thinking about on the drive to work this morning. Um, I can't remember when the did the Bradley news did it break today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Uh so I must have seen it on my timeline, but I was thinking, you know, for 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 a head coach, for as like volatile as that position is, uh you could even you could either have like a really good tenure at a club or you can get fired and bounce to bounce. Uh, it had me thinking, I'm like, dude, actually being a coach at Real Salt Lake is not a bad gig. Like no. they'll hold on to you, bro. Like as long as you can like talk to the media and uh, create some hope, <laughs> we'll keep you. Dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's not a knock on Pablo Mestro any man. I love Pablo. He's doing great. I already apologized to the club on Twitter, so we're good. Well, and let's let's be <laughs> let's be let's talk about Pablo for a minute because I think a lot of the issues we've had with Pablo have seemed to gone away. Right, like. Uh, Again, on Saturday, I was talking to Alex during the game, and I said, okay, there's some clear issues going on, like on field this first half. Does he make an adjustment at halftime? That's That's something you wouldn't do. And he did, right? And it worked. So he's he's starting to show, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the players that are available. But even just with the inclusion of Luna and, and making that work, he's starting to show that he has the technical acumen. And, of course, my opinion on this could change. But at the moment, he has the guys fighting. He's making you know adjustments tactically, mostly decent substitutions, right? So right now, Pablo, no, no problem with him. I think he's doing a great job. Um, to, piggyback off, to, <laughs> to piggyback off of that, uh, it kind of I – mean, compare it to the beginning of the year to now. Um, we've seen – I don't think we've just seen a growth of this play, the players and the development of the guys, but I've also think that we've seen kind of the growth of Pablo as a coach because he was very set on the way he played um, in the beginning of run of the season until we hit that four game losing streak. He made one little adjustment up, up top, and that was to play with two, two true number, like two true strikers instead of having that kind of four, uh, four, four, one, one, and it made. The, the world the difference for RSL. Um, he put out the right personnel for it too, and it made a big difference for the team. And we've seen just how much they've grown and how much he's grown, as well as making those adjustments to where we are now, where we're in a spot where we've only lost two games in 19, uh, in 19 matches, and we finished June undefeated. Uh, I have a kind of a crazy thought on this, and I could be way off. Like This is not me saying anything. I don't want to hear about it from the club, but I really think it turned around once Miriam left. Hot take. Hot Damn. take, right? But hey, he's, one of his he's doing great. He's doing he is great. doing great. I have no problem with Miriam. But suddenly we don't see Miriam on the field all the time, and we see Luna getting a chance. Yeah. That's something we weren't seeing. 
Well, some people would say that uh, Savarino is the issue, which is stupid. Um, so let's let's wrap that up, guys. Our cell show on KSL. We've got uh, Real Salt Lake going to BMO Field Saturday, July 1st, uh, playing against Toronto. Uh, let's do quick predictions. I will give mine. I say we go 2-0 on a broken Toronto FC. 3-1. Luna gets a second. I'm going to go a little bit conservative, and I'm going to say 2-1 RSL win. But guess what, guys? After this game, Chicho time. Chicho. Chicho time. Very cool. Hey, guys, um, this will be also uh, – you won't hear from us for a while because we're – I'm just going to tell you guys right now, we're not going to podcast over the 4th of July weekend. We'll do it when we come back, so – for everybody out there, we'll still provide coverage on the day of, um, but everybody enjoy that weekend. Be safe with your families. Make sure you douse those used fireworks in water. Keep small children away from the explosions as well as your hands. We don't want any missing hands. And with that, we'll wish you a very, very happy 4th of July weekend. Also, if you're still listening, July 1st, Salter FC kit drops. Oh, you're dropping it? Yep. Dang. July 1st. Right. Keep an eye out for that. SalterFC.com, the world's greatest fake club. Hashtag try to sink. And if you don't know what that is, go look it up. Salter FC, Salter Football Club. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great.